I'm not an academic. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. I'm not anything but a concerned citizen. I don't start this with a set ideology or a point of view that I want to ram down everyone who listens to this uh, throats. Like, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I cannot stand our current political landscape. I cannot stand the conversations that I hear. I cannot stand the conversations that I'm forced to have. I cannot stand that no one around me shares the same reality that I do politically. And I don't mean share my identity politically, but we are in a situation right now in this country where you sit down next to another person and the conversation isn't even grounded in reality. It's not grounded at all. One person comes at it from one perspective, another person comes at it from another perspective, and then all of a sudden we're in a shouting match and we're arguing and we're yelling, and that doesn't get anyone anywhere, and it surely is not American politics. It's not how we've ever functioned in this country. And doing this, I hope, out loud with my mouth to flush out the whys of that. You know, I am, uh, I'm not even 30. I have two degrees. I grew up uh, dirt poor in uh, South Boston, Massachusetts. My mother's a single mother. She's an alcoholic. My dad was in the military. He was also an alcoholic. So childhood was no fun. Um, I made it fun because I, I was an only child, so I had a big imagination, hence why I'm an actor. So I kept myself busy, and I, you know, I had a good time, uh, even though the events around me and the things I had to go through weren't so fun. Um, what I don't think we take into consideration is what we do every day, how we live, how we speak to another person, how we think of ourselves. That's really where I can come in, um, having the education that I have and living the life that I have. I can... Um, empathize in a unique way and it's very easy for me to um, put myself in another's shoes because I've gone through as much as anyone can possibly go through in life and I'm still standing and I've met people who go through even more than I have and they're still standing so that's what gives me hope about we can get through anything as human beings we can overcome anything if we think about things in the right way and that's what I can help with. I'm very lucky to have the degrees that I have, to, cho to have chosen the things that I chose. And, but none of it was, all of it was hard work. None of it was by chance or by a miracle. Or, you know, I took out loans to go to college. I paid for my own braces. I had a job since I was 13. Um, I didn't have anything growing up. I didn't have a PlayStation. I didn't have a, you know, I... I bought a PlayStation 2 seven years after it came out because it's the only time I could afford it as a kid. And I've lived my whole life um, working and um, receiving scholarships and other people's kindness. I wouldn't be where I am without it. Um, but I also graduated from college, and I was the first in my family to do that. And I, I, have, I did it twice, you know, because... 
I enjoyed it so much. And I just hope that with these conversations, you can get a sense of who I am and see that I really don't. I'm not lodged on the political spectrum at all. In fact, I'm scared of those who are lodged on the political spectrum. I think if you're fundamentally, if you're always on the left, I don't want to really talk to you. If you're always on the right, I don't really want to talk to you. I want to talk to of, to people of good intent, of um, mutual respect, of an openness and a willingness to listen. That's who I want to engage with. I don't want to engage with those on either side. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it serves anybody to solely be on the left or on the right. I think that when you are solely something, you are preventing yourself from being something else. You know, I'm a, I'm a Libra, so I'm, I'm very much um, an ebb and flow guy. When I'm on set for a month, I stay in my house for a month afterwards because that's just what uh, who I am. But um, when I'm on set, I'm giving it 220% every single day that I'm on set. But then when I'm home, I'm reading and writing and thinking. And that's why I want to do this. I want to paint a picture of how we got here, maybe, in my opinion. I think it's a very interesting thing to look at. I don't think that many people talk about it in this way. I don't think many people see it in this way, but I just want to start a conversation um, about uh, pain and trauma and what that does to us as humans. You know, my two degrees are in social science. I have one in psychology and one in behavioral science. So I just want to read you some headlines to some studies that uh, kind of just with the headline touches on trauma and pain and what it does to us on a cellular and biological level. These are all titles to papers. Gray matter abnormalities in childhood maltreatment. Abnormal cortical thickness in heroin-dependent individuals. Childhood maltreatment. Altered network centrality of cingulate, temporal, pale, and insula. Brain functional connectivity changes in children that differ in, in impulsivity. Neural traces of stress. Cortisol-related sustained enhancement of, of amygdala hippocampal functionality. The neurobiology of impulsivity. Plastic modulation of PTSD state networks and subjective well-being by neurofeedback. But why I'm saying, why I'm presenting these study titles is to show you pronounced changes in human biology based on trauma, right? I was 11 when planes flew into the World Trade Center, and it shaped my entire childhood and it shaped my entire life and it's a part of the conversation that I don't think anybody 40 and under truly realizes just how big of a part that event plays in our current political reality what we don't talk about at all what happened after 9-11 what happened on 9-11 
what happened to generations of Americans to come just based on that one event? That's what's never been talked about. I, I haven't heard. Um, and I wanted to present these study titles just to show you that when you go through trauma, such as this title, Childhood Maltreatment, Altered Network Centrality of Cingulate Pernicious Temporal Pole and Insula, which means that you have an altered network in your brain post maltreatment in childhood. Right? We know through hearing stories of women and men people who've gone through trauma, that it changes how you see the world. It changes how you feel the air. The why is because it changes your DNA. It changes your genetics. It changes your biology. It changes your chemistry response to certain stimulus. And we've never really talked about how 9-11 inflicted that kind of trauma on an entire nation, on an entire people. People from the left, right, old, young, in the womb, unborn, it affected everything. Why? Because it was such a devastating, shocking, episode of trauma on such a grand scale that let's 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 pause there and peel back to if you are invaded sexually physically if you are invaded and traumatized physically whenever you're put in a situation where you where you perceive that you were in that you are in the same kind of physical danger your neural and biological responses are going to go haywire you're going to get flashbacks you're going to get um, you may sweat you might think about the traumatic episode immediately all kinds of things happen in that moment right um, so we know that rape victims have a very different life post-trauma than they had before the trauma was inflicted on them. But what I don't think we've put together is just what 9-11 did to all of us. You know, just what that shock, that catastrophic and enormous shock to the system fundamentally changed everything it fundamentally changed our trust our belief and eventually deteriorated our engagement and then the subsequent wars only added more trauma onto a traumatic wound because we didn't just go to war we relied to 
and we lost brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and fathers and, and wives. We lost people. And the and because we were lied to, a few years went by and the whole world erupted. Because that administration at that time really made big, big mistakes. And there's been no accountability. There's never even been an apology. Or what I mean by an apology is not like a... I mean actual accountability, an actual apology for doing what was wrong. You know, going into Afghanistan, that wasn't wrong. Going into Iraq, that was wrong. That was wrong. That was predicated on false evidence and manipulated messaging. And I think that George Bush would be the first one to admit that that was a mistake. I think it's Dick Cheney that uh, will never admit that it's a mistake. And I think that we as a society have to come to grips with the effects that that had on our belief in our own country and our belief and our ability to wage foreign policy. Because what it did was it fundamentally ruined the trust of almost every citizen in this country toward their government on both sides of the aisle. Because I know people who are on the right side of the aisle who were in the military during that time who came back extremely disillusioned. Because you sign up with the vinegar of duty, which is right, and you end up getting used in a as an actor in a lie. And that really shook those individuals. And it, on top of the trauma of war, because they already experienced these tra devastatingly traumatic events at, in war. I mean, my father saw very minimal combat in his military days, and even that has affected him it still has affected him today. So I cannot imagine those who were in full-on combat, multiple tours, um, and then coming home to people saying that they are, you know, killing babies and like, you know, it was the first war in American history. I mean, not the first war. Vietnam wasn't really supported, but there was still a strain of support in the country for Vietnam. In Iraq, it got to a point where everyone hated the fact that we were there. Because the facts bore out that we were lied to. And we've never really grappled with that. You know, we kind of just steamrolled past it. Um, we had our, you know, our espresso shot coming down the pike in, in, in Barack Obama. So we kind of, we just kind of steamrolled past it. But I want to stay on it. And make the point that this is where the trust and the belief in the system kind of diverged, right? It, it, it diverged from where it always was supposed to be. And it, was, it, was, it diverged because of trauma and pain and lies, right? 
So that's not a bad thing. I think that our reaction, our fundamental rejection of Bush towards the end of his term was correct because he made a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of bad moves that were made in that administration. But there also needs to be an element of empathy with uh, that administration, not the vice president, not the defense secretary, not some of the national security people, but um, think about George Bush as a first-term president coming after a relatively inexperienced governor in, t in Texas getting thrown into the fire of a modern-day Pearl Harbor and and trusting those around you because that's what Bush did. He trusted those around. He picked an experienced cabinet so he could lean on those people because he really didn't have much experience. So he, he did what any rational person would do in that position, which is lean into your professionals, lean into your career professionals. It's just the fact that those career professionals were Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney, and that kind of, you know, kind of ruined everything. But what I really want to make the point on is how that event and the subsequent events after that really, really, really affected our psyche as Americans. It affected our trust of the whole system. It affected our belief in the whole system. It affected our trust in the media. It affected our trust in um, basically every layer of government. And that's not a bad thing. That's natural. That's a good thing. What's a bad thing is not waking up to it. Not pausing to realize that I went through trauma early in my life. But what am I doing now? I'm kind of re-putting myself through trauma. That's what you see most with victims of trauma is they kind of gravitate towards those sources of trauma. You see the same things with Americans now, um, politically or with the news. Is With the influx of the Internet, and I'm going to talk about this in an article on my website. With the influx of, in, of the Internet, we kind of leaned in to further sources of trauma. You know, we kind of assert, you know, when you have an idea that George Bush blew up the World Trade Center and you can Google that and you can find videos of that and you can find blog posts that talk about that and people that support that view, then you're going to gravitate towards those sources of information. You're going to gravitate towards those people because you're gravitating towards more trauma. You know, you're going to you're gravitating, you're doing the exact thing that the rape victim at 17 does when she's 23 is she's back with the boyfriend who basically abuses her still and because she hasn't got to the point where she stops looks in the mirror and realizes holy shit I'm putting myself through more trauma because it's all I've ever known and that's not a bad thing but what's a bad thing is once you acknowledge that to keep going for those bad boyfriends or to keep going to those bad sources of information. I knew that 9-11 uh, played a massive role in forming my political identity when I started to dissect it, when I started to look at, like, oh, wow, I remember, like, 
my whole fascination with Fahrenheit 9-11 was just because I was looking for answers. Right? Because the world is, when you're in chaos, you just want answers. You just want answers. You just want to not be in chaos. And that's what Fahrenheit 9-11 did. That's what Michael Moore did. Uh, Michael Moore played on our emotions of, um, of trauma and provided us with all kinds of easy answers. And that's not to say that some of the answers that you'll find in his work aren't true, but I don't think that some of them are right. I don't think that some of them are um, where we want to go as Americans, I think. I mean, we were all searching for answers after 9-11. I mean, I was, and I've told you about it. I've told you about where that search, that need for quick answers led me to. It led me to the Michael Moore documentaries, the anti-Bush narrative. It led me to all that. What did, what did our collective rush for answers lead us to? Where did that lead us to? It led us into Iraq. Big mistake. Big mistake. We're Americans. We have no patience. We want answers now. We want results now. And that's, that's fine. But sometimes the answers don't come immediately. Sometimes the wheels of justice move slow. And sometimes that's just the way it is. Um, you know, people don't, specifically my generation and every younger generation, has no patience for the legislative process. But people have no idea the amount of time that it took for the Civil Rights Bill to be passed. You're talking about a struggle at the time. It was a 150-year-old struggle. I mean, it's crazy, right? But they were always fighting. They were always marching forward in every way they could. And we miss that beauty today. We want instant results. We want things now. And the beauty of America, the beauty of democracy is the results. That's the beauty. But we can't get the results if we have no patience for the process. And we, you know, and we miss a, a, a little part of the magic of the Civil Rights Bill is the president, right? We had a man in that office that was the perfect man for the job. Lyndon Johnson knew the institution of Congress so well that he was able to get results. Are are we? It took me close to a decade to learn about the world, about government, about the event of nine eleven itself. Because remember, it happened when I was ten. Um. So I had a reason to sit there and learn and piece together reality as it was. Do most people have that time? Do most people, did most people sit there and 
think about their reaction after 9-11? I don't think so. Most people were living their lives, right? I mean, I had a reason to. I was growing up. I wanted a more accurate view of the world. I don't want to have a warped view. I don't want to have a one-sided view of anything. I've never... I guess since my earliest memory, I've always had a sense of justice. And I am a scale uh, as a Libra, so I really do not like one side or the other. And I, 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 maybe it came to a point where I was so anti-Bush that I had to pull myself back and realize that I'm actually going too far into this. And then I learned more things get, more things come out as time goes on, and you end up learning that it's not half as nefarious as we think it is. It's just a failure. You know, it was a failure. It was a failure of imagination, like the 9-11 Commission report said. It was a failure of communication between government agencies. It was a failure to trust in your instinct because we were always kicking our instinct down. the. There was people in our government that knew something was going to happen. They didn't know what, they didn't know when, they didn't know how, they didn't know what it was going to consist of, they didn't know that it was going to be commercial airliners getting hijacked in midair by people who were embedded in the country for a while, who learned our way of life, right? This is a horrific and tragic event that happened, and we never really went to therapy over it. We kind of just kept running forward. And I, I think we're in a moment now where we can sit back and realize, man, we didn't go forward at all. We kind of went backward. We didn't heed the advice of the studies that came out to do with children in the media. We didn't those in power and those in the media did not follow the advice to not stereotype those who perpetrated the attack. Because it had a fundamental, it left a fundamental imprint on our society. There are people who are scared of Muslims. And it's so unnecessary. Because when you see a Jewish person with their religious attire on, you don't have the same reactions. And that fundamental reaction is exactly what the study was pleading with us to not do. And we did it anyway. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why? An answer that I come up with is that it's easy. It's easy to blame other people. It's easy to say these people are bad. Like, this entire group of people is bad. We have to focus all of our energy on this group of people. How many problems have that led us to? How many problems has that attitude caused? Not only in the world, but in our own country. We now turn everyone else who doesn't think the way we do into an enemy. That's crazy. And it's fundamentally un-American. This is where we see the partisan bubbles form. This period of time is when those bubbles started to form. 
And I'm going to dive into partisanship in a separate conversation for sure, but I bring up I bring it up because this is a this is the first time in American history where we chose a particular way of presenting the news over the way that we always accepted the news being presented. Why did we find refuge in only paying attention to X or Y but forgetting about A and B? In my opinion, it's because we didn't want to experience more pain. We went through so much pain and so much trauma in varying ways, in different capacities, and and, and it meant different things to each person. But we didn't want to be traumatized anymore. We didn't want to be in pain. So we kind of went off into our bubbles. We kind of went into our camps and just kind of sat and stood and sticked our fingers in our ears and just blah, 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 blah. This is when it started to happen. At that time, in 2002, CNN was the most popular news network. Why do you think that Fox News shot to number one that year and never looked back? They're still at number one now. Why do you think that happened? I remember the fear I had as a child. So what if you were 30 when that happened? What if you were 40 when that happened? What if you were 20 when that happened? It altered your entire life. And I think that that's where we find ourselves uh, today is, you know, we, we've, we've, we've used that lack, that, that loss of trust and belief in the system and the media. And we've, and then entities from the internet have played on that loss and they've sold us on an idea that, ah, that, that's, that's a liberal publication. Ah, that's a, that's a liberal publication. This is traditional American news. This is real, you know. They've sold us all on that, so each of us on each of the political, so each of us on whatever side of the political spectrum we're on are running into these sources of information that just sell the idea to us that we're the real source of information. We're the real source of information. The New York Times, America's jewel of news reporting and journalism, ah, that's fake. Don't, it's, it's the world's most coveted newspaper, but don't, don't, don't. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to this, because we're the real news. We're the true news. We're the straight down the middle news. You know, that's what we're getting sold on now. And it's, I mean, you talk about mind-fucking people. This is what's going on right now in America, is like mass messaging, social media, Big businesses and corporations are mind-fucking the shit out of you, right? Because they're mind-fucking the shit out of me. It's just the fact that I know that I'm getting mind-fucked. This is a big conversation. This is a big topic. And I don't even want to move on to another topic because everything's not flushed out from this topic. 
But I just wanted in the first episode to really make you think about maybe we made some massive mistakes. Maybe our government and ourselves in separate ways and in different circumstances and which caused different things to happen. But maybe both of us made mistakes and we need to pause before we keep running toward making more mistakes. That's what I hope to contribute. Because all I think about all day in my house during this quarantine is how the hell have we ended up here? Because I'm scared. I'm scared of us continuing to run into these sources of trauma, continuing to gravitate towards these candidates, these people, these entities, these organizations, these corporations that really solely kind of just provide more trauma. I want answers. I want to solve problems. If I don't get the answer given to me, I look for the answer. I search for the answer. And it doesn't mean that I have all the answers. It doesn't mean that I have the answers. But at least I'm looking for them. I'm not just blaming other people for my problems. I'm not just wrapping up my anger with the choices that I made in my life and attaching it and projecting it to someone else. Or projecting it onto an organism, or an organization, or a corporation, or a government. That's what we all have to be sensitive to, I think. That's what I want to be in this capacity. I want to be the voice that pleads for compromise and empathy and reflection and sympathy, and sensitivity, because everything that we say and everything that we do matters. It matters to our families, it matters to our hometowns, it matters to the people we grew up around, it matters to the people who we've come in contact with, it matters to our friends. But most importantly, it dictates our path in life. The words we choose, the thoughts that we form, the way we treat others, the way we see others, the way we relate to another person, that matters. It matters a lot. It matters for everything. And so I guess it's, that's a pre, it's a long way to wrap up a first episode of something. I just want to provide answers. They probably won't be the only answers, but at least we can get somewhere. At least we can learn something. And at least we can stop repeating the same things. Putting ourselves through more pain. Experiencing more trauma. That doesn't need to be.
It doesn't need to be in your personal life. It doesn't need to be in your professional life. And it does not have to be in politics. On the next episode, we have a new president. We have the grace of our first African-American president. Do you think that made us stop gravitating towards sources of pain and trauma? I wish. It only got worse. I'll explain. <laughs>